The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, beauties? This is the Bear of Texas. Welcome back to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion of the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight is part two of the 2026 FIFA World Cup candidate for venue cities. Ladies and gentlemen, for the second part of this discussion, I need... The best guy I know when it comes to the knowledge and the love of soccer. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome my good friend and mentor who resides in beautiful, sunny Southern California. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Adams. What's up, Steve? Hey, everybody. Elmer the Cat and I are sitting here. And uh, so let's go over some potential host cities. I mean, it's like uh, World Cup will be next year in Qatar and then just a mere five years away. The World Cup is going to be shared by the United States, Mexico, and Canada. First time three countries have ever shared hosting duties for a FIFA World Cup. I mean, not only that, but the, the 2026 World Cup, 48 competitors. 48. It doesn't it's get just, more exciting than that. It's just a mind-blowing number. I mean, I'm old enough to remember uh, 1978... Uh, was the last year that there were 16 teams at the World Cup. Now, if you look at the Euros, the European Championship now is up to 16 teams. So now, you know, going from 32 to 48 teams, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out. It's going to be really interesting. And so far, I mean, the the qualifying stage is, I don't know if it's going to be easier or harder, but, you know, it's, it's still going to be different. But, you know, it's, instead of the, you know, the round of 16, I mean, it, it's going to be an additional. Like, there's going to be, a, I believe, a round of 20, uh, a round of 24 first, and then, then it goes to the 16 and then to the quarters. I mean, it's going to be something new. And, and personally, I can't wait. And, you know, God willing, during that time, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like being involved with the World Cup, like you know maybe doing radio shows and things like that. So you know, never know what the future holds. But I just all I can say is I can't wait. So where do you want to begin, Alex? Well, since we're gonna talk about venues, and but first we gotta we gotta remind the folks that this isn't the first time that the U.S. has hosted a World Cup. They did it back in 1994 and also in 1999, which 99 I remember that one very well when the when the uh, women's team wanted, uh, but. But the '94 World Cup, you know, this was, you know, this was like during a time, you know, it, things were a bit different. Like fr- France, you know, had kind of gone from being one of the best European teams to like just completely falling apart. And then in '94, like Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, and Greece were actually making their debuts, and and Russia was was actually making their first uh, perform uh, the first appearance in the World Cup since the breakup of the Soviet Union. So, and it was actually the first one when Germany came in, you know, as a unified country. So. Well, and also, too, this was pre-MLS. 1994 was pre-MLS. So a, a huge chunk of the U.S. team in 1994, I mean, these were guys that, you know, quite a few of them, like Alexi Lalas, uh, was not playing internationally yet. Uh, he was, you know, he was a defender at Rutgers University in New Jersey. And, you know, quite a few of these guys, uh, Claudio Reyna, uh, he was a uh, he was a player at Virginia, player of the year at Virginia. Uh, Bruce Arena, 
who would end up becoming the American coach, you know, later on, a few years after that, uh, he was the coach of Virginia and turned them into a powerhouse. So there was really just a, a couple of handful of U.S. players that were that were playing in Europe at that time. It was just a whole whole different world back then for American soccer. Absolutely. So sometimes I say that you know it was hosted in the country to try to get soccer more popular. I mean that's merely just my opinion, but you know I just couldn't. I you know imagine you know at this day and age, like me as a sports writer today, like if if I had been covering the World Cup at the time. You know, I would have said, you know, this is something exciting. I mean, this is to give the U.S., like, to give us some pride. That, you know, we hosted a freaking international tournament, and we saw the best, you know, nation in the team, you know, win their fourth title. Well, the other thing that also can't be overlooked in this, I mean, people were really concerned if Americans would show up and watch other countries play. And the one thing with Americans, Americans love a big event. They'll show up for a big event. Um uh, it, that World Cup had broken, it ended up breaking attendance records at the time. Attendance was phenomenal at pretty much all the, all the venues, all the, all the cities. Um, my wife and my son, Ian, who was seven at the time, we saw uh, Germany and Spain play out a 1-1 draw at Soldier's Field, and it was packed. It was absolutely packed at... Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was a noon or 3 p.m. kickoff. I just remember it was hotter than hell. It was in the high 90s that day in Chicago, and uh, both teams scored in the first half, and then they just pretty much walked around in the second half, not much energy expenditure. But it was great energy from the crowd, and uh, I caught most of the games on TV in 1994, and I was – I was really proud at how well Americans uh, supported this World Cup, and they showed up for the games, and not just for you know when the big boys were playing, uh, you know like Brazil or Argentina or even you know when when Mexico would play. I mean, they were showing up uh, to see Nigeria and Bulgaria, and you know all these other teams that you know would not at first blush be a natural draw for American fans. And we did a really, really good job. We had fantastic volunteer support at those games. And um, I mean, people really, really uh, put their, their best foot forward. And um, I was really proud at, at the job that, that we did in 1994 at that world cup and organizing it. Absolutely, and, it's just, and since the whole thing's about venues, over the venues, so the Rose Bowl in uh, Pasadena was that's where the final took place. It was also taking place in uh, at the in Pontiac, Michigan, the Pontiac Silver Dome, which actually did not do well because apparently because of the the Pontiac Silver Dome was was poorly structured. I mean, there was no AC system and it was hot, so like it was the humidity and everything made it even hotter in the stadium. So that didn't do well, and then of course there was the uh, Stadium at uh, Stanford University, which was which they consider the San Francisco area, but that's actually, I guess it's right. But Stanford, like it's Palo it's, Alto the, it's is, the Bay Area, but it's yeah. Palo Alto. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a little ways down. It is. You know, it's 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 not a fancy stadium by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's, it's seated about sixty thousand people, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, and you know when you think about it, you know some cities that hosted games in uh, 1994 are not even candidate cities this time around. Chicago, uh, which hosted the opening game and several important games, uh, they're they're not a candidate. Detroit is not a candidate. Um, you know, which is... De- Detroit not being a candidate is not a total surprise. Chicago not being a candidate city, for me, that was a surprise because it's such a huge venue. It's It's... It's the heart of America, the, the heart of the Midwest. It's it's such a major city. It's such a major hub airport. Uh, Soldiers Field, great sight lines. Uh, the city has really, really good public transport and everything like that. It's an international city. So it's it was a little bit of a surprise that Chicago did not even make the cut uh, to even be a candidate city. 
Absolutely. And, you know, as I finished naming uh, also, there's, uh, there's actually one thing i got to point out, which actually surprised, two things surprised me. One, one of them I learned why, but the other the other venues was um, Giant Stadium, which is in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is, you know, in the New York City area. And there was the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, which is actually very famous. It, it was actually the first song with the Cowboys, but history remembers it more like, you know, it's, the, it's where the uh, Red River rivalry, college football rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma takes place. I did go to a game back in 2008 when uh, Texas and Oklahoma fought to the highest uh, scoring game in the rivalry's history, Texas winning 45-35. This was like the post-Vince Young era, but you know I was 15 and I had fun. And, I, and I, I, For those of you who are wondering, no, I did not try those you know popular corn dogs or whatever. You know, I, did, I, I didn't feel like watching the game on a bad stomach. But anyway, of course, there was also the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, uh, Foxborough Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and... Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium in D.C., so th- this must be before FedEx Field was open. So, yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, there's been several new stadiums that have been built, and it's it's what's going to influence, uh, you know, where where some of these v- venues are going to end up going. So, which cities did you want to start with? All right, well, since we're, now we're talking about – right now we're talking about the 23-man list. So, so far, uh, we'll start with Canada. So, we're looking at Montreal – Montreal, the uh, Stade Olympique, and then uh, which which actually uh, I remember correctly, the semifinal between the U.S. and Germany in the Women's World Cup in 2015 took place, which was a very fun game to watch, and the Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton and BMO Field in Toronto. Uh, first thing I want to say is that first I was surprised that Rogers Rogers Center didn't make the cut, but believe it or not, Steve Rogers Center was actually uh, on the list, and according according to what I'm reading. The venues were actually contacted, but apparently they, they submitted no bids. So it seems like I guess Rogers Center, they had they had no inter- they had no interest in it at all. Although Rogers Center has hosted a soccer game well, before. Prob- well, the problem is the Blue Jays play there, and during the World Cup and tried to shut you know, and I mean the, the World Cup goes on for quite a while, and to try to squeeze in World Cup games with Blue Jay games, the logistics were just a freaking nightmare. So it makes really more sense to try to go with BMO Stadium. They'll have to add some seats to it. They're going to have to expand it because the capacity right now is 30,000 for Toronto FC games. And they're going to have to put some temporary seating or something in to try to get it up to 45,000, which I think is the minimum number. Um, Montreal... Montreal, such a cosmopolitan city, phenomenal public transport, uh, not far travel distance as far as uh, to go to the other East Coast cities in the U.S. Toronto, strategically uh, placed, largest city in Canada, uh, very cosmopolitan, very, it's a, it's a very in place right now. Uh, the one su- kind of surprise for me initially on the list was Edmonton, Alberta. And um, Edmonton, for those of you who you may want to take a look at your map, people do not realize just how far north Edmonton is in Canada. I mean, it's a good it's a good few hundred miles even north of Calgary to give it some level of uh, reference. But um, but you know, Edmonton uh, oil oil and natural gas have made Edmonton uh, kind of a gem of a city. It's got a skyline that can rival pretty much anything south of the border in the U.S. And um, the, the only thing going against Edmonton, just that it's it's just relative the relative remoteness of it compared to any other venue uh, that's going to be at that World Cup. You know, you made a good point earlier when you said that why uh, why uh, Rogers Center is not fit. Um, actually, um, the minimum is actually forty thousand. Like it's got to be forty thousand to eighty thousand. But, but yeah, you know, and, and I looked at back in ninety four Candlestick Park. They wanted to, they wanted to utilize Candlestick Park, which was the home of the 49ers at the time. But back then, the San Francisco Giants were also playing at Candlestick Park, and it's the same reason. You know, the World Cup was taking place. You know, at the peak of the baseball season, because you know, baseball season in the summer. I mean, that's when it's at its that's where people actually go the most. Um, but yeah, uh, but for BMO well, Field, it's not going to be simple because BMO Field, you know, I've just seen pictures. I've not seen it with my own eyes though. I I, I did go to Toronto back in the summer of two thousand eight, but 
I, I'm guessing, you know, if BML Field, you know, has made it to the final candidates, then I'm, I'm guessing, you know, they're a worthy uh, a candidate. But, but yeah, but going with Edmonton, yeah, I was actually surprised. Why not Calgary over Edmonton? But, but I, they don't have the they don't have the stadium. They don't have the stadium that would be able to do it. Um, so, so those are your three Canadian cities. Um, uh, I think, I think Montreal and Toronto would have to be virtual shoe ins. And I think to make sure that Canada as a co-host has a third city, I think almost by default, I think Edmonton will end up getting some games, you know, as I said, even though in terms of travel and logistics, it's going to be a hike. Uh, to get up there, you'll be getting your frequent flyer miles in to be sure. Yeah, uh, speaking of Calgary, um, it was actually it was another venue that was contacted but submitted no bids, and I'm guessing they just didn't bother because they knew they couldn't. But you know, as I'm looking at the other ones that were contacted but submitted no bids, there was another stadium in Montreal, uh, Saputo Stadium, with where I, I believe that's where the Montreal Impact play. They also, but uh, you know, their capacity is less than twenty one thousand, so they really, they really definitely won't make the cut. But also. You know, in this case, uh, it, it, it's unfortunate. The stadium is perfectly capable of hosting games, but the city, like you said, you know, in, the, in our conversation uh, last week, it, it lacks infrastructure. And I'm talking about Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin, because Lambeau Field is as legendary as it is. It's it certainly can handle World Cup games, but the city itself, I mean, Green Bay is really not that big. I've never been there, but but I'm told that Green Bay is not it, really. It, it, yeah. You need a major. You, you need a major airport. You need some semblance of decent public transport. Yeah, Green, Green Bay doesn't have that. It's, um, it's unfortunate, really. You know, if you were going to go by stadium size, I mean, in the Detroit area, I mean, Ann Arbor, I want to say, is about 40 miles from Detroit. And, of course, that's the big house. I mean, that's over 100,000 spectators can can go to the big house. But, uh, but again, you know, D- Detroit, they're out of it. Um, but those are the three Canadian cities. Uh, Mexico candidate cities are Guadalajara, Mexico City, and Monterey. Um, the interesting thing with Guadalajara and Mexico City, those are two cities that are at altitude. Um, so there's that kind of little interesting component. Monterey is the closest really major Mexican city. Well, you can't discount Tijuana. Tijuana is a fairly significant economic hub of its own, but uh, Monterey, as far as uh, they've got the stadium, and it's not terribly far from the U.S. border. Um, so I, I would think that for those three Mexican cities, I think those are all going to be shoe-ins as far as the host games. Um, so that that I think is pretty much a foregone conclusion. For Mexico, obviously, Estadio Azteca is a no-brainer because it's already got quite its history. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down. Uh, I, mean, I know you remember. You probably still remember this like it was yesterday. Estadio Azteca is where Diego Maradona's hand of God, hand of God goal took place. Well, Mexico City has hosted two World Cup finals. My my gut feeling would be that Mexico City will probably get the final in um, in 2026, and it would be a first to have a city that's hosted three World Cup finals. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's so much history in that stadium, and there's so much tradition, and a lot of memories from, from 1970 and for, for 1986. So it'll, it'll be interesting once they ferret out which cities are going to get picked, you know, where are they going to do the semi, where are they going to do the quarterfinals, semifinals, and who's going to get the final? Because that's, that's the crown jewel. Yeah, well, FIFA officials, you know, hope that by the end of the year, they'll be able to make the decision. You, you know, and I'm looking at Estadio for the, uh, for Monterey. I mean, you know, that, that's the stadium, you know, that's on the foot of that mountain. And there's, there's, if you see the picture, I mean, there's that great view of that mountain. So. Yeah, but Monterey, Monterey is technically it's not nearly at the level of altitude like, say, Mexico City, Guadalajara. Of the cities that are being proposed as host cities for this World Cup, you've got three that are at significant altitude. Uh, Denver in the U.S. Is, is one. None of the other U.S. cities on the list is at 
any type of significant altitude to contend with. But Denver, Guadalajara, Mexico City, and I'll tell you what, people do not realize the effects of playing at altitude when you are doing this game. And if you're traveling and having to acclimate, um, it's not that easy. It's, it's quite a wild card and it's, it can certainly, uh, be a challenge for any team's level of fitness at the, at this world cup. Because, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, when I was visiting you in California back in 2019, you mentioned how the these countries that, you know, these players that have to come from Europe, you know, and they have to acclimate tourism, it's very difficult. And they say for European, especially for the European nations. It's tough. I mean, I can, I can say from experience, uh, back in 2010, I went and played at a rugby tournament in, at Aspen, Colorado, and I got out there on a Thursday and I was playing games on Friday and I don't mind saying it totally kicked my butt. I did not, it was not smart on my part to not get there a couple days in advance to acclimate to the altitude. And, uh, you know, and I mean, that was just an old boys rugby tournament. I mean, that was not playing high level elite level soccer. Like, you know, these athletes are going to be doing, in 2026 so uh but yeah the altitude uh is definitely something that's going to be uh kind of an x factor for teams to contend with at this world cup absolutely now we get to well most interesting part we're going to talk about now the american venues but but before we get into the official ones on, on the list you know and I, i'm taking a look at the teams that you know that are, that are not on the final list and and you know you mentioned already you know Soldier Field you know not not making the cut uh, um, surprise you but you know here's what will surprise you even more Steve is that this venue voluntarily withdrew so apparently they didn't ha- I guess they didn't have any interest in it but here's something else that'll even surprise you you know your your home your beautiful hometown of Minneapolis Minnesota U S Bank Stadium is another uh, venue that voluntarily withdrew yeah I was a little disappointed about that. Um... But, uh, you know, the, the Twin Cities, it's an MLS city. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Well, the other X factor also is the, the games have to be played on grass, not artificial surface. So I guess they felt like the logistics and everything have tried to put, you know, grass even temporarily into that stadium it just wasn't worth the hassle so it's too bad it's a, it's a beautiful stadium it really is and and here's some venues that were re- rejecting the first round so apparently there's a couple of rounds uh, one of them first energy stadium in cleveland lucas oil stadium you know actually you, my brother actually looked at these stadiums that were rejected because several of these teams that didn't make the cut during his days uh, playing a drum corps for the best drum corps in the nation, the Blue Devils, which he played for three years, which is so hard, he performed in stadiums such as Lucas Oil Stadium, the 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 old the Georgia Dome, the Alamo Dome, you know, several of those stadiums, uh, yeah. and you know, and, and he says they're actually fun to play with, and you know, he, they're fun to play at because the venue is just so amazing. He even played at the at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and. He says he says it's you know it, it disappointed him and he said really you know it's a shame because pl- playing in the in those stadiums would certainly impact the players, but he he did say at the same time you know the problem is you know some of these cities are not known for the tourism so really it's like yeah yeah in, in the Indianapolis is you know that's a no go you know it's like sorry as as there's nice people I know from Indiana and I, they could, it's a very popular city for conventions and things like that. But as far as a world cup venue, Indy is just a no go. Um, but, uh, so I guess with the U S cities, do you want to go with, start with the cities that we think will probably not pass muster and then work our way up to the ones that we think, are are likely to get it sure and just thing i'm going to close out is you know much you know i'm disappointed the fact that uh allegiance stadium in in uh, las vegas uh i uh, apparently did not make it I, and i really feel like you know what las vegas should be part of it because you know i'm just gonna say like when it comes to you know having the venues in our in our country steve 
you know, we want, you know, them to be in, in our well-known cities, you know, that are, especially that are higher in tourism, because, you know, we want our, we want the fans to have a good time. We want them to visit this country. So, and, you know, and, and I feel like Las Vegas should should definitely have been a venue. I'm sure, you know, Vegas would attract a lot of people, and they would love visiting Vegas. I think it would have been something that would have been worth considering, especially since, you know, this new new stadium the Raiders play at Vegas is supposed to be just absolute Taj Mahal. And uh, and they do the technology that's somewhat similar to what the the Cardinals do over in Arizona, where they wheel the grass out where it's outside during the week, and then they wheel it inside so that the players are actually playing on grass and not the artificial stuff. So, uh, but as far as the cities that are on the on the the semifinal list that will probably not get picked i mean in my opinion cincinnati not likely to get picked baltimore not likely to get picked orlando even though they hosted games back in 1994 i think with miami as a competing city i i think that they'll probably go with miami over orlando uh, nashville i just don't think uh, will get picked. Kansas City, even though they've got Arrowhead Stadium and they've got a soccer public, you know that supports you know, Sporting KC in a in a big big way, and you know another Midwestern city. And there's you know the, the Midwesterner in me would love to see KC get picked, but I don't know if they will. Um, Houston's Reliant Stadium, they do have the retractable roof. And Houston, you know, let's not forget it's it's the fourth biggest city in the U.S. Um, and and it's a it's a major player. But I think Houston, because of the fact that you've got Dallas, well, more specifically Jerry's Palace and in, in Arlington, I think they'll probably get the nod over over Reliant Stadium in Houston, which in in some ways is kind of a shame because Reliant Stadium looks like a really really nice venue. Uh, it's a major league city to be sure. Um, but I just, I just have a sneaking hunch that the Dallas Fort Worth Arlington area, I think they'll probably get the nod. I think at the end, I, I don't think KC will, will get picked. Uh, Philadelphia, even though, uh, the stadium that they would play at, uh, it would be the stadium where the Eagles play. And you have a lot of people in, uh, that area of Pennsylvania and South New Jersey that are that support soccer. Uh, I think by the fact that Philadelphia is so close to New York uh, and Boston, I just think that Philly probably loses out. Really? I mean, that's definitely a good point you've made. You know, I explained that obviously I feel like the likes of Philadelphia, DC, Boston, um, those cities are certainly going to make the cut because, you know, they're our most historical cities, you know, going back to uh, the American Revolution and not trying to, you know, I know that some of our English supporters probably don't want to hear me say this, but but th- those historical cities, you know, when the fans from all over the world visit that city, you know, it, it's another, it's an opportunity for them to actually check out, you know, some of our American history, so, but you know, you're absolutely right, I mean, Philadelphia is not that far from uh, New York City and, and Baltimore's close by, so, and having all those you know, venues, you know, all clustered together. I mean, I, you know, it really makes a point. I mean, they're all close together, but but I'm surprised Philadelphia not making the cut. But, you know, we, we never know. But I, I think I think Philly could be close. Um, but as far as I think the – but I think, like, the, the 10 U.S. cities that would likely get it, I think Denver, I think, stands a very, very good chance. They say Boston, but the stadium would be over in Foxborough and – this is going to be kind of a shout out to Mr. Kraft, uh, the guy who owns the New England Revolution and the the New England Patriots. Uh, he's a guy who lobbied hard to get the World Cup, and I think that uh, I think they'll probably throw the Boston area, the New England area, if you will, a bone there. Uh, I think the Dallas Fort Worth, the Metroplex area, I think Jerry's palace over in uh, Arlington is such a gem of a stadium and they've hosted 
lots of you know soccer matches and stuff there uh, they'll I know like when uh, some of the different Mexican clubs like when Club America was playing Barcelona an exhibition game nine years ago I mean the area it's it's such a huge natural draw and it's a great stadium and plus now that you've got that whole entertainment complex that's built up uh, over with the new Ranger Stadium and with uh, with Jerry's Palace. It's an area that's just totally tailor-made for fans to have a really, really good time. Dude, I mean, AT&T Stadium, you know, once the fans get a kick at it, you know, that screen in AT&T Stadium, the huge screen, I mean, it's going to uh, amaze them. You know, and I've been to AT&T Stadium so many times. I haven't been there in about about eight years. Last time I was there was in 2012 when the Cowboys were playing the Steelers. AT&T Stadium has, its, has a history of, of hosting so many major events. It's hosted... You know, it hosted the Super Bowl back in 2010, hosted the 2018 NFL Draft, the 2010 NBA All-Star, numerous concerts. You know, it, it, it hosted, you know, WrestleMania, and it's going to host uh, the WWE. You know, WrestleMania is the you know, large wrestling event every year. It's going to host it again, host uh, WrestleMania 38. And it's hosted numerous, like, you know, international soccer games as well, so, you know. It's perfectly capable of of handling it. So, so I really and you know you mentioned how Dallas is, has the advantage over Houston. You know, some people that I know have even told me that they really don't want to go to Houston because you know they always hear the same thing that traffic's bad. I'm like, okay, well, Houston traffic is definitely bad, but but believe me, folks, Houston's not the only city in the U.S. with bad traffic. I mean, New York. Think of New York City. Think of D.C. Think of Los Angeles. No, no question. Um... I think the San Francisco Bay Area is likely going to get games. Uh, you got the Levi Stadium near San Jose. Uh, that's a very, very likely venue where that's going to be. So I think they would be there. I don't think they'll be going back to Stanford Stadium for that. Atlanta, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And uh, who knew that Atlanta would become a soccer city? Uh, given the given the ex, given the incredible success that the Atlanta franchise with MLS has had, um, who knew that there was so many people that would support soccer? And um, it's supposedly a really really nice stadium, so I think they're likely to get picked. Plus, Atlanta major hub airport; it's one of the busiest airports in the world. Um, so I think they get picked. Seattle, total soccer mad area. You've got the stadium that uh, it's an outdoor venue. The weather's not going to get terribly, terribly hot. Um, it's everybody I know that's been to Seattle just absolutely raves about the place. Um, um, I think that uh, Miami. I think of the two Florida bids. I think. I think they'll probably go with Miami this time. And then um, the D.C. area. Um, there's actually even some talk in Washington, D.C. I mean, the Redskins play at uh, FedEx Field. But there's actually been some talk, even though FedEx Field is not that terribly old, there is some talk that they may actually be looking at building a new stadium that may be in the D.C. area that will be built before 2026. Really? Um, the Los Angeles area, you've got two potentially really good stadiums. Um, one with a great deal of history, the Rose Bowl that's over in Pasadena, which is a little east of Los Angeles. It's kind of a short trip on the 134 to get over there. But uh, the, the, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, if you're going to watch a sporting event, it's got absolutely the most beautiful natural environment to watch a game you've got the san gabriel mountains in the background you've got the palm trees you've got so much history the sight lines at uh, the rose bowl are excellent there's absolutely nothing to obstruct your view it's not a fancy stadium you know it's probably going to need some upgrade work um, for an event that's like the like the world cup the other possibility in los angeles uh, or they may also host games. I mean, you can't totally rule out the possibility of having maybe a couple games in Pasadena and then a couple of games at the new SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. 
which is now the home where the the Chargers and Rams play, is very Taj Mahal. It is state-of-the-art. It's close to the airport. Um, it's it's definitely it definitely ticks a few boxes. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful, um, and both stadiums seat you know a whole lot of people. The Rose Bowl, I think now capacity I want to say is eighty thousand, and I think SoFi is in that seventy-five to eighty thousand range too. Um, and then, of course, New York, New Jersey, likelihood of those games would be played in East Rutherford. So, but I think I think those ten cities are the likely U.S. ones to to get the final nod from FIFA. Well, believe it or not, Steve, uh, SoFi Stadium was was another candidate, but th- that ultimately got rejected alongside the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. So I, 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 obviously, it's, it seems that well, not every yeah, everybody said yeah, every uh, L.A. Uh, stadium got was part of the deal, but we all forgot. No, Bank of Bank of California uh, was not there, uh, as, along with uh, the stadium in Carson where, where the Galaxy play and when the Chargers uh, also played. Yeah, neither one of those stadiums would seat enough people. Um, none of those none of those would seat enough. I mean, Bank of California Stadium is—it's fantastic. I mean, it's—it's it's a wonderful venue to watch soccer. Uh, I've been to a couple of LAFC games. You came with me to an LF, LAFC game. One of the best moments of my life. It's—it's a—it's a super place to watch soccer, but it's—it's it's just going to be too small for the World Cup. But That's unfortunate, uh, really. But I think, but I think for Southern California, I think. I think Pasadena certainly makes sense as far as that goes. I mean, it, it ticks an awful lot of boxes. Absolutely, and you know, a lot of a lot of people were asking me, like, you know, you know some of my fr- friends uh, said, like, you know, Austin, Austin is actually on the verge of getting a, a soccer team soon, an MLS team soon, but you know, Austin is not suitable because. You know, a couple of Longhorn fans uh, that, that I know, a huge Longhorn fans, you know, their their alma mater is the is University of Texas. They, you know, they would love to see a World Cup game play at uh, Daryl K Memorial Stadium. I'm like, it'll be great, but the problem is, it's not big enough. Like, you can't just pick a, a well known city. I mean, you know, it's gotta it's gotta fit like so many requirements. I mean, the stadium actually has to have a certain amount of requirements. It's not just the like the main capacity. It's gotta be able to expand at a certain capacity as well. It's, compli- well, it's also it's complicated. <laughs> It's also a matter of getting to the game. I mean, you need a decent international airport. And, you know, Austin, the Austin area, even though the area is grown by leaps and bounds, you know, they don't they don't have anything like an airport that even approaches DFW or or Bush in, in Houston. And um, I mean the airport down the road in San Antonio, an hour south of Austin, I think is a bigger airport, but, um, but, but for right now, it, it just doesn't tick those boxes. Is it an awesome city? Yeah. Austin, Austin is worth the road trip, uh, for anybody that really, really wants to have a good time. I, I love it. Um, but it's just, it's just not gonna, it, it doesn't tick the boxes to be a world cup venue city. I'm afraid at this point, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate, but, but now that I'm looking at, uh, so basically, uh, exactly how many teams are going to be selected uh, when the final uh, say so is uh, is done? It's going to be ten, right? There's going to be a total of sixteen total cities. Okay. That are so you got seventeen candidate cities in the U.S., three candidate cities in Canada, three candidate cities in Mexico. So of of those, you know. Um, 23 cities that's going to ultimately get paired down to 16 and um you know who knows you know they may pull one of the canadian cities out they may pull one of the mexican cities out and then add an american city it's hard to say but i think i think realistically for some level of symmetry I just think they're going to go with the three Canadian team, the three Canadian cities, and the three Mexican cities, and then there'll be ten U.S.-based cities uh, for venues. So, 
um, it's it's kind of unfortunate for for a couple of these cities that I think I think Kansas City and Houston, for example, and Nashville, I think could have been perfectly good place to have games and Philly. I think I, I think on the list, the only two that I just really don't think had just a, a, a ghost chance, just Baltimore and Cincinnati. I just think didn't didn't have a prayer to begin with, but uh, but in the end, we'll see what FIFA decides. Absolutely, and for the teams that have the good chance, I think every city on the, on the West Coast, uh, Seattle, the, the San Francisco Bay Area, Los Angeles are definitely perfectly or uh, certainly capable of making the cut. I think Denver also makes it. I'm gonna go also go with Dallas, but I think Cincinnati unfortunately doesn't. Kansas City might, but very unlikely. But DC, okay, DC's really. DC is probably a no-brainer. I mean, it's the it's you know it's the it's the capital of the United States, so obviously, that that that's got a that's got to give it a, a a good amount of potential. But I think Boston or New York, you know, that can't be ignored. But but as far as Orlando and Miami goes, you know, that one has me really thinking because Miami, especially in the summertime, Miami's known for getting a lot of rain, so the weather gets pretty bad. I mean, it's it's super humid. You know, the weather's not the prettiest, but but Orlando is known for getting rain as uh, a lot of rain as well, but sometimes they would think like because a lot, a lot, uh, when I was speak, speaking to a friend of mine who loves soccer, he, he met, remember how he mentioned that like, how tourism is also going to be impacted by this because it's during the summer, and we all know how when we think of Orlando, you know what 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 comes to mind, Steve, when everybody thinks of Orlando. Well, you think of Disney. Yeah, Disney. So, so people, if if FIFA officials think, well, you know, it's Disney there, you know, they always get fans from all over the world, so so why not why not Orlando? But. You know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we'll 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 see if there's any surprises in the end. I mean, if it if it does pick, if Orlando is chosen and everybody's like, if, if people have plans to go to Disney, I'm like, uh, I would be like, well, you better be a patient person because Disney is gonna be like crowded. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're gonna be it's gonna be lucky to go on every single ride, buddy. Yeah, no, no doubt. All but right. but at the end we'll we'll see where we'll see how it all comes out. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Anything else? We, we should we catch up? I, th- I think we got we got all the bases. We had all the bases covered. I think we got it. We got it done pretty good. Yeah, I think I think we got it covered. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow night to talk about the EPL. Absolutely. Well, before we go, um, you said you went to the game back in, in Chicago back in 1994, right? Right. Well, did y'all go there just specifically to the game? Because I, I know Chicago is uh, is your wife's hometown, right? Yeah, it was very convenient because uh, we were living in Minnesota at the time, and uh, we drove down from the Twin Cities, and we stayed with my in-laws in the south side of Chicago, and um, we ended up uh, we made a we made a great day of it. There's a really awesome German restaurant in Chicago called the Berghof. And anybody that goes to Chicago, and if you're really jonesing for some really good Italian, or excuse me, German eats, and a really great uh, ambiance, the Berghof is great. And uh, we ended up sitting with some German fans, and then after we were done with the meal, it was just a massive walk from the restaurant area to Soldiers Field. They had... uh, they had Michigan Avenue blocked off, and it was just thousands of fans walking from downtown to walk the short distance towards Soldier Field, which is which is near Lake Michigan. And uh, it was such a it was such a wonderful ambiance. And uh, my son was seven at the time, and uh, it was it was just great. It was really a good day. But the only the only downer at that time, really in '94, was a lot of people may not remember, but the U.S. was going through a huge heat wave at the time, and uh, European television was dictating a lot as far as the kickoff times for the games, and there were a lot of games that had uh, noon and 3 p.m. local kickoff times, and they were just playing in just brutal heat. Uh, it would have been nicer in some cases if you know the, the games had at least waited a little bit later in the evening for like a seven or seven thirty kickoff time, but uh, but I mean, but that but that's what it was, and 
there were some really really great quality games in that in that World Cup. There were so many great talking points. There was controversy. Diego Maradona tested positive for a banned substance that he was using to lose weight. Um, Nigeria totally surprised the world with their incredible swashbuckling, fast-paced, uh, kill-or-be-killed style of play. Uh, so they were the, the Nigerians were just absolutely a revelation. Uh, Romania with Georgi Haji. They made a run to the quarterfinals. Bulgaria uh, with the great Christo Stoichkov upset the defending champ Germans in the in the quarterfinals, and they made it to the semifinals. Um, best run that I ever had. Sweden made it to the semifinals. They ended up finishing third. Um, there was just a lot of great memories. Uh, the the final was. A, a little bit of a mediocre final between Italy and Brazil. It had uh, high drama, uh, came the penalties, and it ended up being decided when the, the great Italian player, uh, Franco Barisi, he skied his PK attempt, and that handed the title to, to Brazil, which, in my, in my opinion, it was, I think it was the best team of the tournament anyway. So I think that was one of those things where the soccer gods got it right and the best team won. Uh, Brazil was great throughout that tournament. but uh, And then the U.S., uh, they were able to get out of pool play, uh, upset Colombia, uh, got beat by Brazil in the round of 16 game. But there was, uh, but for a month and a half, the eyes of the soccer world were on the U.S., and we did a really, really good job hosting this event. And it's something that I still carry with a great deal of pride. What a good job we did. And I think that American fans were, I think we were great hosts. I think that uh, we were very welcoming to the world that came to catch the games. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we have more of the same in 2026. Absolutely. Well said. And I'm glad you said it like this because it, it, it's, it's, you basically answered my question. Did the World Cup give America pride? And based on what you said, it did. And I feel like it's going to happen again. It's going to be even more pride because, you know, we have a, we have a, a generation, an American generation, as far as the men's soccer team goes, that's actually building. And there's so much potential because there's a lot of players playing for European teams and they're actually getting some play time. Their names are starting to be reported even more. Okay. It would how, just imagine the impact if the United States was to make it as far as the quarterfinals in 2026. I mean, especially with with 48 competitors. I mean, there's a lot of pride, it really is. And and I, and I I mean, Lord knows, you know. Well, you know, I'm 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 really coming. I'll be working the World Cup. I, I won't be there as a fan, but I, you know, I'll probably be hosting some doing some hosting stuff and covering the shows. So I mean, it's it's the excitement's already there, and, and it's not even gonna feel like five years. It's probably gonna, it'll probably be here. It'll feel like it's, it's only gonna be two years. Time flies. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to believe that it's almost 27 years ago that the World Cup was here, and you know, my son who is seven now and he's 33 now, and um, I I still remember that World Cup like it was yesterday. Yeah, you know, one last thing. What 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 also in this World Cup as far as the Colombian national team goes, the tragic event. The own goal that cost him his life. Yeah, Andres Escobar, you know, was such a tragic event, and he was such an excellent player. And uh, if 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 anybody listening to your pod, if you get a chance to go on to uh, ESPN Plus or anything like that, or try to look up the the two Escobars, really really good ESPN for thirty for thirty. And uh, it was just such a tragic event. Well, the guy scores, you know, own goal. You know, the U.S. ends up upsetting Colombia. And Colombia was, they were one of the favorites yeah, going into they the tournament. Were. People, people forget this is a team that, during qualifying, went down to Buenos Aires and kicked the shit out of Argentina. They won some ridiculous thing like 5 nothing or 6 yeah. nothing. It Buenos was 5 to nothing. yeah. You know, Carlos Valderrama, 
was, you know, he was the linchpin on that team. He was the face of the Columbia national team, and they were so good. And then for Columbia to not just lose to the U.S., but they didn't get out of group play, and they had to go back to Columbia. And, you know, unfortunately, Andres Escobar, you know, was really what amounts to assassinated. And uh, that that's one of the few really downer points from that World Cup. There were so many great things, but that was that was sad. It was extremely tragic. And, you know, that's, as an American fan, it, it, it really took away, you know, some of the, the fun of, of the U.S., you know, getting as far as they did in that World Cup was the fact that, you know, this poor guy had to pay for a mistake with his life. What's sad, too, is whoever's responsible, their prison sentence was shortened by a significant, by a more than a significant amount, I mean, which is a slap to the face, but really, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into that, but you know, it's sad because, you know, in the world of soccer, criminal empires actually bet, like, bet a lot of money on, on games, like, in some, in some parts of the world, like, criminal empires, like, soccer players are heroes to the guys, like, like, well, yeah. Well, and, and like you said, that's that's a discussion for another day. And if you get a chance to watch the two Escobars, it's really, really well done by ESPN. And I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and, and thank you for reminding me about this thirty for thirty because it's it's on my list. I, I just got done watching the Michael Vick one, and now I know which one I'm going to watch next. Ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Amazon Music, and YouTube. Steve will be back tomorrow to discuss week 22 of the EPL. There's been some surprising results, but there's one more game left to play, so tune in, ladies and gentlemen. See you in 24 hours, partner. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a good night. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.